Hi, and welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel, Kuala Lumpur Online. We hope that the following message will be a blessing to you as you seek to walk with the Lord in spirit and in truth. For more information about our church, please visit www.harvestkl.org or click the link in the description below. Good morning, Harvest KL. We're so glad that you joined us this morning to worship an amazing God. My name is Dan Wright, and I'm one of the elders here. The last time that I preached to you, I preached to you about remembering who we are, that we're beloved children of God, adopted into his family, called to a life everlasting. Today, this morning, I'm looking forward to, to talking a little bit more about our theme, Rise, Let Us Go From Here This Year. Will you pray with me? God, I pray that my words today can be your words, that my thoughts can be your thoughts. We ask that you help us today to understand your word more and that you will use us, Harvest Kale, to transform the world around us. Be with us now, in Jesus' name. Remember that our theme comes from John 14, verse 31. And that is when Jesus had, had finished teaching and had completed the Last Supper. And he says, rise, let us go from here. And he's talking about going forward into his crucifixion, the things that would lead to that crucifixion. Um, but we're using this theme this year uh, as a way to help us understand what it means to follow him, what it means to follow Jesus. So Harvest KL, let us rise and follow Jesus. Let us seek to do that. So in February, we talked about what it means to, to rise in our hope. That our hope is found in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, and what that means for us as his children. And then in March, we learned about what it means to rise in our minds, in our knowledge, to know more about him, to know more about our identity, to know more about the Bible. And then last month in April, we talked about rising in our heart, how our heart needs to be attuned to the things of God, and that our love cannot be focused on ourselves, but needs to be focused on God. As Nate said, our first love. So this month, we are talking about rising with our hands. So we're asking the question, how does our faith, which gives us hope, that changes our minds, and changes our hearts, how does that turn into an active faith? That active faith, the work of our hands, which God has prepared before us in advance and works out in us, can transform the world around us. So our text this morning is taken from the book of James. We'll read chap uh, James chapter 2, verse 8, and then verses 14 through 26. If you have your Bibles, please follow along with me. James chapter 2, verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. And then verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed or lacking in daily food, 
and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things they need for their body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. The title of my talk today is Rise With Our Hands, Living an Active Faith. I will walk us through how faith and actions go together and then leave us at the end with some application. I'm going to start with some quick background on the book of James. The book of James is thought to be written to a group of Jewish Christians living outside of the Holy Land. It appears that it was written to these churches who were in the, had, were in the midst of conflict and infighting. It hints that some had fallen into a worldly lifestyle and they were failing to put their faith into practice. And this can be very common when we're outsiders. We feel persecuted. We feel uh, we need to take care of ourselves. We focus on ourselves and we lose sight of the bigger things. We lose sight of God. We lose sight of loving our neighbors. So to begin in our passage, we need to deal with the challenge of some of the words that, that are in there. And it's not always good practice to start out a, off a talk with some negative things, but we need to do that because this is possibly the most controversial passage in the book of James. It touches on this important theological question. What is most important? Is it our faith or is it our works? Do I earn my salvation by doing good works in the world? Here at Harvest KL, we believe that scripture alone is the written revelation of God. That salvation is, in, is by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. That there is nothing we are doing to earn our salvation, but it is a gift from God, and we live to glorify God alone. So then what does James mean when he says that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone? In verse 24. One commentator answers this way. James approaches his readers with his challenging question, not because he would propose a different way of salvation, but because he would have them understand what faith by faith alone really means. Theologian and pastor John Piper says, the truth is that we are justified by faith alone, not by works. You can see it, for example, in Romans 3.28. We maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. 
and again in Romans 4, 5. To the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. And the point here in Romans is that God's verdict of not guilty and our receiving of right, the righteousness of Christ happens at the beginning of the Christian life. And it's done by faith alone, with nothing else added to it. We trust free, that this free grace to forgive us and acquit us and count us as righteous is because of the work that Christ has done on the cross. And that's how we get started in the Christian life, justified by faith alone. But now we've just had these verses in James that seem to contradict that idea, the idea of justification by faith alone. In verse 21, he says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? And then again in verse 24, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. So you see that James here is saying that a person is not only justified by works, but he also seems to deny that justification is by faith alone. At least the words on their face seem to say that in isolation. And they seem to mean something very different from what Paul was saying in Romans. But I propose this, that these verses aren't, in fact, a contrast between faith and, and works, but they're a contrast between a genuine faith and a dead faith. A faith that transforms us and a faith that does not transform us and those around us. So anyone can say they believe in God, as it says in verse 19. Even the demons do. But true faith results in real transformation. False faith is proved dead because it doesn't. You can always read about what we believe here at Harvest KL on our website. Our doctrinal statement says this on the question of salvation. Genuine faith continues in obedience and love for Jesus Christ with a life eager to glorify God and persevere to the end. And you will remember that in the early church there were quite a lot of controversies about this idea of, of of living by faith alone. And people begin to think that their actions don't actually matter. If they sinned more, it would only increase grace. In Romans 6, Paul writes, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. And this new life is the transformation that we're talking about. Another theologian puts it this way. Throughout the Bible, we see that salvation is received not on the basis of works, but on the basis of faith in God alone. Jesus himself emphasizes this through many parables and sayings, and Paul argues explicitly against the inclusion of works as a basis for our salvation. James, though, arguing that justification is by works and not by faith alone can be harmonized with the rest of the New Testament when it's realized that James expects us to still sin. 
He is combating faith without works, not faith alone as the basis of salvation. So the entirety of the New Testament teaches that we are justified by faith alone, but the faith that justifies necessarily flowers into good works. So what is this connection between faith and works? So you'll recall in Nate's sermon a couple weeks back on when we, he was talking about rising in our hearts, he's talking about uh, the, the passage from Revelations 2 and the Ephesian ch church um, that had lost its first love. And Nate made the point that love is the connection between faith and works. And in that, we would do well to remember the words from Matthew. In Matthew 22, 34, which reads, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And similarly, we see in Galatians 5, 6, this, which is a crucial text for connecting Paul and James in harmony with each other, and this idea of how love works between faith and works. He says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision mean anything, but faith working through love. Out of our faith springs this love. Love of God creates a reaction in our hearts where our lives are no longer driven by a me-centered world. It's not focused on, on us, ourselves, on our own needs, but it's focused on our love of God. And that love motivates us to follow his commands, to read his word, it motivates us to love God's people. It motivates us to love our neighbors as ourselves. It changes our worldview world that each interaction every day God has ordained for us. And he has a good work prepared for us. God has actually gone ahead of us. And he has prepared the way. So in Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10, it reads... For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are created by God for good works. Again, John Piper says the design and intent and purpose and outcome and fruit of this new creation is good works. We are a new creation in Christ. This newness is what we've been talking about in rising in hope, rising in our mind, rising in our heart, and now rising with our hands. You have a new hope, and your hope is in the creator of heaven and earth. Your hope is not in uh, yourself or those around you, but it's in our good Father. Your mind is changed in the knowledge of the amazing work that has been done on the cross for you. And it changes our ori orientation from a me-centered world to a God-centered world. And our hearts are changed because the object of our love, God,
transforms us. Now we read in that passage from Ephesians that the work of our hands has been prepared by God. The God who made it all, the work of our hands was made before us. And we are only called to walk into them. God not only prepared those works before us, but we should know, know that God has also put in us everything that we need to do them. And he is there walking alongside us. He's working alongside us. And he's guiding us. In Hebrews 13, 21, it says that he will equip you. May the God of peace equip you with every good that you may do his will, working in us that, that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So God has given you everything we need, every, everything we need that is pleasing in his sight. And further, in John 3, it says these works are done by God. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clear, clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And then again in 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 11, we see that he fulfills our works, and it is by his power that they are done. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling, and may fulfill every resolve for good, and every work of faith by his power. Our job is to trust God and act. He brings the work to pass. He gets it done through us. It is his power. And the aim of all this is his glory, to glorify his name. Now with all of this, the real question is, so what? What do we do? What, what have we done? I want us to think about this in three different ways. One is what can we do together as a community, as Harvest Kale? And then two, what can you do as an individual? And last, how can we as Harvest Kale transform the world around us, the communities around us? So what do we do together? First, I'd like to talk about our CARE Fund. So our CARE Fund is a fund that we have that, that can help meet needs in our community. It doesn't have to just be for uh, people who go to Harvest Kale. It can be for, for the communities around us, people we know. It's meant for needs that, that, emergent needs that come up. So things like an emergency surgery, for example, that somebody needs money for, or someone can't pay their rent this month, or someone needs food. So if you are hearing about these needs, we, it, it's our hope that, that you bring those needs to us. So as your elders, we would ask two things for you in, in regards to the CARE Fund. One is that you give generously to it that you give above and beyond your regular giving to Harvest KL, and, if you, and, and that this can be a place where you can give some extra. And second is we want you to bring needs that you see. So God is putting needs in front of you, and we want you to consider whether this is a place where the, where the care fund can help. So if you do, and you feel called to get in touch with us, please let your elders know, please let us know, that, uh, that there is a need out there, and we would love to consider coming alongside someone as they're going through hard times. The second uh, thing that we do as a church is our monthly food drive. So Harvest Kale's food distribution drive is something that we do every month. It's part of our care ministries here at the church, and it, it, it is done in collaboration with the Oasis People's Church. 
So for the last six years, every month, uh, members of our congregation have donated food or donated money to buy food that goes to six families out in the Subang area. And under ordinary circumstances, members of our church actually go along with the food and visit these families and, and find out about their needs and pray with them um, and have a connection. Now, obviously, that uh, during the last year has been more difficult given the, the COVID-19 restrictions. But each, each month we do continue to send that food. So that's a little bit about what we do as a church. What can you do as an individual? And the first thing, the first reminder that I want to give you is, is that we can't change ourselves. That's just, that's not how it works. We need to ask God to be transformed. So you can ask him to change your heart from a, being a me-centered person to a God-centered person. You can ask him to help you as you live out these, these two commandments that Jesus was talking about in Matthew. That loving God with all your being, with everything that you are, and loving your neighbors as yourself. So then we can look for the opportunities that God puts before us. So every day, God is putting things before you. He's putting needs before you. And what you're called to do is think about ways that you can transform the world as these needs are presented to you. And you can do that in your family. You can do that in your work. You can do that with the people around you, with your neighbors. You have been put in a place, and you should look for the needs that are around you. Look at those opportunities right where you are, because God has put you there for a reason. And sometimes that's really simple. So I was reminded this week when talking to, to uh, one of my, my, not my actual brother, my Christian brother, uh, and he was talking about how important it is to listen, to take the time to listen. So he uh, has a busy job. He comes home from work, and his, his daughters just love to just talk to him, to just tell him the things that are on their hearts. And instead of his first reaction, which is to say, you know, could you brief that, or hey, can you get to the point? Um, it, we, sometimes we just need to give of ourselves and give of our time and just listen to somebody. And, and that's such a great example of what a good father is, because we want those girls to grow up knowing that a good father is one who listens and one who we can come and we can share our hearts with and who will listen to the yearnings of our heart. And that was just such a great example of just a small thing we can do every day. And sometimes it's really big, right? So I am always reminded of my in-laws. So my wife Jessica's parents in 1974 decided to pick up from where they were and moved from the United States and moved to Jordan. And they were moving to a new community uh, with a new language and they had no idea about the world that they were going to, obviously they knew something, but they didn't, they had no idea the depth of uh, the commitment that it would take for them. Um, so they went to work with the church there and they obviously learned the new language, built a community, and they've been there for 45, more than 45 years. So and they've chosen to walk in those works that God has put before them. And it hasn't, of course, been a straight line, right? There's, there's, there's twists and turns, but they have continued to follow the things that God has put before them. So what effect will this all have on the world? How, do we, how are we transforming the world? So I'm going to show you a, about a four-minute clip from a movie from the movie called The Free Burma Rangers. 
The Free Burma Rangers, Dave and Karen Eubank, uh, have led this, this uh, organization called the Free Burma Rangers, which uh, helps supply emergency medical care, shelter, food, and clothing, in to, and also does some human rights documentation in w war zones. So they do it together with their, their whole family, with their three kids, into war-torn areas in Burma, in Sudan, in Iraq, in, and in Syria. So, and they're doing this in places sometimes very near the front lines because they believe that it, it is part of their, their calling in their life is to help free the oppressed. So their children, Sahali, Suzanne, and Peter, go along with them in all of these, these missions. And they assist Dave and Karen in the midst of all this work. Um, in this clip, you're going to see uh, the Free Burma Rangers as they're working in Mosul, Iraq. And they're going to do a kids club, which is part of wh what they do as a mission. They always have, make sure that they have a kids club where, th where they are entertaining kids and teaching them a little bit about the love that God has for them. So this is in the middle of some, some fairly serious fighting going on in Mosul. And the Ubeik's mission is to go where people are in need. And it's often putting them at serious personal risk. But there aren't other groups there. They are just not going to these places. And Dave and Karen feel called to go out to where the people are in need. Let's watch this clip together. We were invited to do a kids program in an area that was still quite dangerous. We are in Mosul, on the outskirts of Mosul, and we are going to do a kids program for the kids around this area. In Mosul, they don't say no. They don't ask danger, they just go. They found a school, meaning there were walls around it where it would be a closed and easily protected venue. Yes, we want to check the women. Um, just very smile and pray for them. Good, good chance to pray in Jesus' name that we can check for suicide. Yes. The whole environment was very fragile and tenuous in these people's lives. They had really just lost everything. They bring hope. Wow. This is not normal. Even the Iraqi army had joined in. I think it was a real break for them to be doing something fun, and then we could hear explosions going off. You could see people's eyebrows kind of going up and looking around. You can hear now attacking. It clearly was getting closer. We need to finish up now and we stopped whatever we were doing. 
They were not upset. They were not phased. They actually, they wanted their stuff before they could go. We want our shirt and our bracelet. Unfortunately, the kids were used to this. It was new for us. I thought, thank God that we were able to share with them something about good life before they left the door. situation than I ever have been in before. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, how far is that going to take Dave? Well, that's good. Good life club, Mr. Graham. Not your normal exit. The Lord help them miss with their weapons, miss the refugees. Thank you, Lord. That <laughs> That's was a good miss. Mortar. So I commend each one of you to watch this movie. It's available on Right Now Media, which all of you should have access to. But if you don't, please let us know in the chat, and we'll make sure that uh, you can get access to it. Um, the movie is filled with stories like this about what an active faith can do, that it can transform the lives of people around them. But in this clip in particular, I was struck by two things. So right at the end, Dave's prayer that says, God, please make them miss. And then not 25 meters away from the, the car he's traveling in, a mortar lands. But most of all, I was struck by the Iraqi soldier that, that is in this clip. And what, when he says, they bring hope. Wow, this is not normal. And that should be how people look at us. Wow, we're not normal. We have been transformed by the gospel, and the values of the world are not our values. We live sacrificial lives that love our neighbors as ourselves. And it, I should be very clear with you, I, not everyone is called to be the Eubank family, not everyone is called to, to be missionaries, but you can be part of the transformation right now in the place exactly where God has planted you every day with your family, in your workplace, in the people around you, in your, in your interactions with your neighbors, in your interactions on the street. So this is my charge to you. Don't be normal. Rely on God. Rise with our hands. Live an active faith. Love and give of yourself sacrificially and transform the world around us.